Welcome to Cabbages and Kings, a podcast for readers of science fiction and fantasy. I'm your host, Jonah Sutton Morse, and this episode, my guest is Renee of the Hugo-nominated blog Lady Business and the excellent podcast Fangirl Happy Hour. She's taught me to enthusiastically love the stuff I love and also to examine it with a critical eye. So I was very excited to invite her on the podcast to discuss Naomi Novik's recently released novel, Uprooted, which I did way back in December 2015 when Uprooted was still a relatively recently released novel. And then because I'm really bad at production schedules and the interview was on a backup computer, I waited over a year before finally releasing the episode to all of you. So this was recorded over a year ago, discussing a little novel that went on to win the Nebula Award for Best Novel, the Locus Award for Best Fantasy Novel, the Mythopoeic Award in the Adult Literature category, and was a finalist for the Hugo Award. We're also going to cover another novel near and dear to both me and Renee, and talk a little bit about fan fiction, which is a much broader rabbit hole than I ever imagined. As I do with most guests, I started by asking Renee about her history with the genre. Science fiction and fantasy is like the abusive boyfriend <laughs> that I keep drifting away from and then coming back to. My whole childhood I did, because my beginnings with, the, with genre, genre, fantasy, magic, science fiction, spaceships, whatever, started really with like Sailor Moon, okay, which is a manga. And became a super popular anime. Like, if you don't know what Sailor Moon is, like, we don't know. Like, that's my that's my roots in yeah. in science fiction and fantasy. That's where that comes from. That's where I started. Really, if I had to go back and like think. I mean, I guess you could technically count Care Bears. That's fantasy. Mm-hmm. But then for kids, it doesn't seem to people don't seem to count kids stuff right at all. Like, if I want to think about where my love of like space adventures comes from i would have to go all the way back to like rainbow broad and the star stealer which is a space story and so how i got into science fiction and fantasy was drastically different than like reading a bunch of you know hanlon and arthur c clark and whatever else and then i came up through high school and i really wasn't into science fiction and fantasy at that point really i had gotten into madeline ellingle's yeah. A Wrinkle in Time and A Wind in the Door. A Wind in the Door was like super influential on me, like even more than A Wrinkle in Time. A Wind in the Door really became a touchstone. But then I just drifted away and I didn't really get back until I read A Speaker for the Dead. Yeah. By Orson Scott Card. So you also preferred some of the later books to the original Ender's Game? Uh, yeah, I didn't read Ender's Game until much later, okay. I think. I'm out of tried it but i didn't really connect with it i also tried his dark materials by philip pullman and i didn't really get those either so speaker for the dead was really like i really pinged on it it pinged for me mm-hmm. but of course like what what happens with me is that i just kept flip-flopping back and forth between like those books and like romance and then i took another break and then when i came back i think of another touchstone it was the will of time series the first three books specifically because i never really got past those first <laughs> Like, if I think about a fantasy that I loved so, so much, those first three books were perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Like, if I re- reread them now, it'd be a disaster. But back then, they were perfect. They were just, I just loved the, like, the expansive world and all the characters and shipping the dudes, which was, uh, I have, there's a lot of fanfic that's thankfully erased from the internet <laughs> now that we won't speak of. 
But so yeah, I've always gone away and come back and gone away and come back. I've I've been pretty solid though in fandom since I've just like got into fanfic in nineteen ninety four. And so when I trace my history with the genre, I really kind of start with 1994 with the the internet and fan fiction because I wrote a lot of fanfic and I wrote a lot of fanfic about like Final Fantasy games, Mm -hmm. which are depending on what game you're playing. Like if you're playing Final Fantasy VI, that's like steampunk. Final Fantasy VII is sort of steampunk i don't i don't really know final fantasy 8 is definitely like science fiction final fantasy 9 is fantasy final fantasy 10 is like a like a kind of a steampunk fantasy so if you just follow along the final fantasy that's just kind of my path okay were you i mean were you reading related books and stories in the genre or were you doing not the games not really it was mostly it was mostly the fan fiction in the games. Like I got into Stargate Atlantis fandom and Harry Potter fandom. So you had fantasy and science fiction, but those were visual and books. But I don't think of Harry Potter books as being the same as like what, what I would think, what people call in, qu- in quotes, core science fiction and fantasy. Like, even though I hate that term core, what does that even mean? That's a gatekeeper term. Yeah. So, I don't think of them in the same way, and I didn't. I didn't engage with them in the same way. I definitely engage with them in a fanish, like let's read these and then create more stuff mm-hmm. instead of let's read these and move on to the next book. Yeah. So, and I did the same thing with Stargate Atlantis when I'm like, well, let's watch the show and then write a bunch of fanfic about it. Mm-hmm. Like one of the best pieces of fanfic I've ever read actually is a piece of fanfic based on Stargate Atlantis called "Written by the Victors" by okay. Susperanza. It's super great it's basically a story using academic text like fake academic text to tell mm-hmm. like to tell a, a like a larger story and create like different kinds of narratives and it's super fascinating i always tell people that fanfic is doing such great uh, experimental things and that's a really good example of one and so yeah i track my history and experience with the genre through how I engage with it as a fan through mm-hmm. fan work. I took this opportunity to ask Renee a little bit more about fanfic. Naomi Novik, whose book we're discussing right now, mm-hmm. actually used a really great example at an event one of my friends went to once, and she talked about it like it was covering music. Okay. That was an example she used, an analogy. So when you're, you read a book, and then you want to write some fanfic about it, so it's, think of it like covering a song. Like maybe you want to cover a song, but you want to change the tempo or you want to change some of the words around or you want to adapt it to be more, more of something that you want to see in the song that wasn't there. So I think that's a really good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably paraphrasing her very, very badly. So please take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> She's much more uh, well-spoken than me about Vanish adaptation so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mangling her words but that was a general idea and i really like that that ha- that idea that it's creating something new mm-hmm. that is not harmful or any worse than the original it's just something new now whenever i've tried to explore fanfic i've had trouble finding a way to get started so we talked a bit more about the appeal and the possibilities and pitfalls of just 
diving into archive of our own and online fanfic hub often referred to as AO3. Yeah, it's the same way as you do with any genre. You have to go in and find the voices you want to listen to. I mean, you could go into AO3 and like sort by kudos and like whatever fandom you're looking at. Like if you wanted to go and say, oh, okay, well, I want to go look up, I don't know, like pick pick a fandom. Like I want to go look up Star Trek fanfic, fanfiction. And then you would just go and like sort by kudos and you could find the most popular story that's gotten the most likes on the archive. You could read it and maybe you'd be like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, you could do that. But it's just like with doing it with popular books on Goodreads, like you're, you might not connect with that popular book. <laughs> I'm going to end up reading Brandon Sanderson's Way of Kings and throwing it across the room a third of the way through it. Yeah, it's work. Like you can't, you have to really want something out of fandom mm-hmm. to, to get into to fan fiction. Like I have this discussion with Anna all the time where she's just not really into Phantom, she doesn't need more stories. The original story is enough for her. She doesn't want to necessarily spend more time with the characters because there's other characters in the original work to meet. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But for me, I really like tropes. Like, I really like spending time with characters I, I recognize um, mm-hmm. interpreted through other writers. I like that. It's fun. Okay, now we'll move on to Uprooted. I went into Uprooted... Not really knowing what it was about, I read the blurb, which is really not a good, like, that blurb, sorry, blurb, rather, you had your work cut out for you, <laughs> because the blurb does not really give you a good indication of what the whole book is about. It gives you, like, the premise. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided that I would just go in and trust her. And I've been reading Naomi Novik's writing, both her fanfic and her original work since she started publishing. And I think I've been reading her work since about 2000, I'm going to say 2005, but maybe it was sooner than that. Cause she's been writing for a long time. Yeah. I read a couple of the Temeraire books, but yeah, and those couple. were, those were good. Uh, I really liked that series, but I just decided that I was just going to trust her and see where she was going to take me because I've, done that with her longer fanfic and it's really worked out pretty well for me mm-hmm. in the past so I didn't go in with a lot of expectations I didn't know what I didn't have any idea what character she was going to follow I didn't know where the book was going to end up and so since I didn't have those expectations when it turned out this story was largely about this girl trying to find herself and how she fit into the world I was like okay cool let's do this and mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't have the I didn't have any sort of roadblocks that nothing happened. And like until like the, the middle last half of the book where things kind of shifted to like more politics and I was a little jarred, mm-hmm. but because it's, it focused so heavily on Agnieszka, I didn't feel that I was misled at all, mm-hmm. which I think maybe you got the idea that you, you were a little, you felt a little misled because you thought it was going to be about one thing and it ended up being about something else completely different. Well, and I think that was more, like, I had been reading you on Twitter saying, oh my goodness, look at female friendship and look at how this is playing out. And I had been, you know, Justin had talked, I think, mostly about the, the strength of the writing. Like, those are the expectations I went in with. And the blurb, I mean, you're right, it's a tough book to blurb. But on the other hand, the focus is on, like, Agnieszka's point of view. I mean, it's our dragon doesn't do this at, or our dragon takes one person from the village every 10 years or something. Like, it's it's not 
I, I don't think I went in with expectations that were unmet so much as I have read a lot of fantasy where what's important is the important male wizards and how they do their magic and like and this, this book is definitely not about right I mean... and this book like it it I kept feeling like it was kind of telling a story sort of around another more traditional story that could have been told like there's the way to tell this story that centers men and politics and like the strategy of fighting against the wood and this story basically told that same plot while focusing on Agnieszka and Cassia and other things around sort of what I would expect. And so I I don't feel as though I was betrayed or misled. I feel as though I have a lot more blinders and expectations going into fantasy books than I have. Yeah. I would have never expected Naomi Nomi to write a, write a fantasy book about a wizard. Like at all. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it was not, it was not a conscious thing. And, And then I like, I remember thinking to myself, like, why am I not connecting with this? So many people whose whose taste I generally trust and respect and, you know, actually usually agree with really like this. Why am I not? And I realized, well, I don't care about the fact that she can change her clothes and that she's worried about her clothes. I would like to know how magic works. And I mean, but that's the story. Isn't it? It's her learning how to use magic, even though he's trying to brute force her to learn it through books and this really specific rote way. Right. She has a totally different path. She's, and this is where actually, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is actually where I see Naomi Novik's Spanish roots come out because mm-hmm. she's basically showing Agnieszka using magic in her own way to do things the way she, she wants to see them done rather than the way that he want the dragon wants to see them done. And I see this a lot. Like when you see, People talk about women writing. Oh well, well you know why did you why did, why don't you write about this thing? Why did you write it that way? Why are you not writing things that we think you should be writing about? How you know how dare you write outside? Right. Um, what's accepted? And I and I really see the Spanish roots there in a lot of different ways. Yeah, that I think telling the story that she wanted to tell in the way that she wanted to tell and having Agnieszka figure out how to be in the world in the way that she wanted to be in the world rather than kind of being forced by expectations and custom. Like when, uh, when she gets to court and at least one of the wizards is like, well, clearly Jaga was not a real witch. She's, you know, a series of myths and folktales about famous witches that have been written down and superstitious people and, like, she's not in a book and so she can't actually be real. That's very much felt to me like a kind of comment and commentary on the way stories get told and then... uh... Remembered? A number of the early readers of Uprooted were very enthusiastic about the friendship between Agnieszka and her friend Kasia, so I asked Renee about that relationship. As for the female friendship, the thing that I noted the most from the book, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of complaints where people didn't feel like that actually was a focus. It wasn't strong enough. Like, their connection felt kind of muted. And, I, I mean, I didn't get that. I see where it comes from. I see why people might feel that way. 
I didn't get that at all because I'm just not used to seeing outside of YA, even though people keep shelving this book as YA. It's not YA. No. Fantasy novel. I'm just not used to seeing a fantasy book where it gets is traditionally published where the main character, her focus for like the first half of this book is on rescuing her, caring about her friend, rescuing her friend, wondering how her friend is, them eventually like having to deal with the troubling parts of the relationship, them repeatedly saving each other, them accepting the changes that they see in each other. And that's just a really hard story to find sometimes in mainstream fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so even though I can see why people say that it's not as maybe as developed as it could be, and it's not as strong of a thread in the story as other parts, like especially the fight against the wood. I just don't, I'm just, I guess I'm just spoiled in a way because I read, I tend to read or hear about so many other stories that wouldn't in a million years center at all this friendship. Like it, the the book would have been about, you know, Agnieszka and the dragons, a, a vigil romance the whole thing instead of just like the the small part that it ends up being yeah and so that's what that's what i took away from the book in the most part was that that friendship that's you know it doesn't have the book doesn't have to comment on it the the book just like brings it up when it's like useful to show but it's always there yeah it's always there and it's always like especially i feel like it's always really motivating agnieszka in her decisions and you're right, it 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 faded into the background for me. Like, I was always, okay, I know Kasia is there, but Agnieszka is kind of off doing her thing, and she's the one who's figuring out how to be a wizard. And, and that didn't, it didn't strike me very much, but I wonder also if some of that is the female aspect of female friendship. Because I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, Will of Time had ran Matt and Perrin, and they, you know... They went off and did things to save each other. There was also kind of a romance sometimes. And I wonder if I have read enough kind of guy friendships that it didn't necessarily register to me that it would be any any different to have women being centered and the female friendship being, especially rather than the romance. Because it's funny that there is there is a romance and... I feel like one of the reasons I would not categorize it in YA is that some of the scenes get kind of steamy. Kind of. I like how you call it kind of steamy. Kind of. A little. Those. A little. The sex scenes in this book are off the charts. Hot. Like, is that appropriate for your podcast? I guess we're going to find out. Works for me. They were just so, I, I don't know. They were just really, just really feels like a really female centered book because Yes. The, those scenes really felt like they would work in a romance novel, right? It's like she took a bunch of different genres and put them in a bowl and like shook them up. And yeah. it was like, yeah, here you go. Try this. And genres that I don't have a lot of experience in familiarity. Genres that are traditionally associated with women's writing. Because, yeah, you're right. Those scenes are very steamy, but they're also... She's not writing a ero- she's not writing erotica. Right. Basically is what happened. Right. <laughs> it happened in this. It's not erotica. It's just a sex scene. And I do read a lot of fanfic romance and this to me felt ca- sort of the same. Like 
there is a larger narrative happening, but these scenes just slot in and develop the characters in a really specific way. Yes. These little tiny, these little moments do that across all the relationship that Agnieszka has with the dragon, with Kazia, with the people she meets when she goes to court, with, I would argue, the wood, specifically. Yeah. Yeah, I just, but I really do feel like Novik was going, well, what genres do I like? What do I like to write in? What do I know? Let's put them together and see where they go when they're reworked in a really Mm -hmm. specific way. And Mm -hmm. I really thought that was neat. So, and I think the female friendship thing is sort of kind of taking, like the female friendship thing definitely feels like kind of like way to me in a lot of ways. The, the, the relationship okay. between Agnieszka and the dragon feels like romance. The wood feels like horror. The, the fairy tale remix definitely feels like, like traditional fantasy told in a, like a, like a tweaked way. Well, it, it, I mean, it is almost like retold fairy tale. I don't think that this drew specifically on any given fairy tale. And if it did, it certainly wasn't one I was familiar with. But it did feel like that genre. Yeah, so that's what, yeah, I think she's pulling from Polish. Mm-hmm. She did an interview, actually, with Mavesh, who does Benna and Karachi, and talks about a lot of these issues, I think, which is really fascinating. So if people have read the book and want to know more about where she was coming from and what she was doing in the book, that's a great interview to listen to. Yeah. And I just found it really neat how she was using stuff that from like, her past. So that's another, like, history also is really important in mm-hmm. this book, with for spoiler reasons that I won't go into. And how we re- how we how we deal with our history, how we forget our history, how we repeat history. So there's a lot going on in this novel for the size it is. I I made an I made a comment to somebody saying that this was it felt like three novels in one. Mm-hmm. The beginning, the middle, the middle, and then the end. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. But it also felt re- a lot like fanfic narrative because when you have long fanfics they'll do kind of what the narrative in this book does to not bloat themselves out so much. So it felt really familiar in that way too. Although I don't know if that's true. I'm sure somebody will disagree with me there, (laughs) but it does really feel like something that she does in her writing to make really long stories more compact. Yeah. It felt like each place she was in like was fairly tightly focused and the story there was kind of small, but there were, three distinct like locations and storylines in the three acts is that yeah that's a good example i also kind of compared it to the maiden mother crone thing because of the beginning of the story Agnieszka's so young and then she gets a little older and better at what she's doing and then at the end she's sort of taken on the role that jaga had mm-hmm. in her in her little books that she used to teach herself I also asked Renee what else she had noticed about the book. I was really surprised it wasn't rapey. I don't know why. I just was. I was re- I mean, there were elements of that there, and I'm really surprised that the narrative actually went there and dealt with it in the, in the way that it did, because I did not expect that to happen. Because uh, so much of the fantasy that I've read is from the male perspective. And right. so when you're you're reading that, you don't, there's, the terror's not there because you're reading it from... And, you know, and generally uh, empathizing with the aggressor. So the person who's being hurt is not your focus. And 
I guess that part of it like really surprised me that, that, that she just got so explicit with it. And I've been seeing that more lately. And I'm kind of wondering if it's a response to like the, the past, the past a bit where there's been so much like grimdark where grimdark is just basically an excuse to objectify and hurt women for right. like realism purposes. And yeah. so I'm kind of wondering if some of this, some of this novel is a response to some of the more gratuitous uh, violence against women that's happening. I don't know, but it really feels like a breath of fresh air that it happened in the book. And then the book deliberately comments on it. The narrative comments on it. It becomes not an issue exactly, but the narrative has a perspective on it. And the perspective is that's fucked up. And uprooted the scene, you know, it's coming. You can, the narrative telegraphs it and you can feel it about to happen. And so often I think books just put it there as they litter it there. Like, I don't know, like window dressing, like, Oh Mm -hmm. look, this horrible thing. But here the tension was there. It followed through the narrative comment on it. So I was really surprised. The other thing that really actually surprised me is how scary this book ended up being sometimes. Not in like, a, oh, I'm jump, like jump scare way, but just right. like this deep psychological fear. The wood itself is terrifying. And because the wood is so terrifying, everything that you have to do to live in that world also kind of becomes terrifying. There was actually a scene in after Agnieszka goes to court where she's in a room looking for a book and there's this tension in this scene that's like, I was horrified. Like I was like actively scared. It was, I got goosebumps and I'm like, I'm creeped out. I'm going to have to put the book down and walk away. Yeah. And there was these, these scenes cropped up quite often especially when they went into the wood and I thought it was really effective. So yeah, when I was reading those scenes in this book, I I got really surprised. And also, even though I was terrified, I was like, wow, that's really good. That's really good writing. It's a really Mm -hmm. good way to communicate the horror of what's happening in this world. So I was really impressed with that. Yeah, that's true. I remember the, well, especially because you were sitting in Agnieszka's head. And so the ways that she would suddenly realize the sorts of danger that she was in and that she was kind of like she was in over her head or she had thought herself safe and it turned out she wasn't. I think I liked it a lot because I'm coming from a place where this year I did this project where I was trying to read classic science fiction and fantasy, mostly science fiction. Mm -hmm. And the oppressive nature of the male gaze and the male perspective was so heavy on me mm-hmm. that when I came to this book, you, I got this girl's perspective, how important her best friend was to her, who was also a girl, her, how she was engaging with the world, how she was learning how to live in the world herself, how she was learning to use her power. I, I mean, I came to the story from that avenue so i've seen people who just don't like it like they just Mm -hmm. don't think it's all that they don't understand why people love it so much but for my part i was just coming from a place where i had just been emerged in male perspectives and this was like a breath of 
fresh air. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to influence how I read this book. I can't go back and unread it that way. I can't go. I wish yeah. I could go back to, you know, December 2014 and go, Renee, do not try to do this <laughs> science fiction project with these dudes because you're going to make yourself miserable. I mean, I wish <laughs> if only we had a time machine. But yeah, so because of that, I can't really divorce my the, my mindset. Yeah. And I think also if you're a fantasy reader and you're reading a bunch of like mainstream fantasy that's not about women, mm-hmm. you're also going to look at this and be like, oh, this is something new and something different. But if you're maybe a reader who's already reading women, already read like, re- like if you read a lot of YA or you read a lot of like literary fiction about women who deliberately center women and girls in their narratives, this might just be like, oh, okay, but why does everybody love it so much? So I really think it's a perspective thing too. Sometimes, yeah, not every, not in every case, but for for some people, I really think it depends on what community you're coming from. Because this book is definitely doing something different for the fantasy genre that, like that, like the the SF community is online, the, like the the powers that be, right? Mm-hmm. in fantasy publishing. It's doing something different than like other fantasy books. It feels like a lot of what you connected to is that Novik is writing like first of all that you've been reading a lot of men and a lot of men who were unconcerned with women and probably unconcerned with characterization in general if you were trying to read classic science fiction yes that's accurate and so you got to you got to not read that and you got yeah it was wonderful yeah these these women who were friends with each other and not just like i don't know i don't think kasha even gets gets listen to me listen to me saying gets a romantic relationship Uh, that, that that's not a part of her story, as I recall, like mostly they are connecting to each other, um, which is special and not something in the in the fantasy field that happens very often. Well, look at it from this perspective. The dragon is obviously a very powerful wizard, but he doesn't become Agnieszka's like support structure or psychic. He's equally powerful, but they just end up being equally powerful wizards, which is together who. Mm-hmm who work together, like co-workers, but Kazia is Agnieszka's knight. Okay. That's how I kind of went into that story. She becomes Agnieszka's sort of like physical protector. Mm-hmm. And that's a really fascinating story because what you might see if Kazia wasn't there yeah. is the dragon becoming Agnieszka's protector, her, the, the shield that guards her, but that doesn't happen. The, the best friend, the female best friend is to have that role. And right. that's fascinating. Yeah. It's also super, it's also could be super slashy depending on if you want to read it that way, which I totally would if somebody <laughs> wants to write it. Once you're done with your Xena fiction, that'll be where you go on next. Is I assume there's good Xena fanfic out there. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't written any, any yet. Let me think through this for a second, but your comment about Cassia getting to be the knight and... Don't you want that story, though, of her going to court and becoming a knight? I really want, like, yes. a sequel. That's her story this time. 
where she gets to go off and be like super strong and and learn how to like use a sword and be powerful and use the skills that she acquired to you know, save the world. Yeah. Each episode closes with the memory of a significant book, the right book at the right time, a significant find, or just something that stuck around. Black Holes is so good. I It's epic fantasy, and I don't tend to like epic fantasy because it's hard for me to read. There's a lot going on. I have to take notes. But with Kate's books, I don't really have to take notes anymore because the way she layers her stories is so beautiful. I have come to realize that with her books, if you get like 50 pages and you're like, this, why does this matter? What is this doing? What is this character's point? You can't really judge the book based on that because none of this stuff is going to make sense until like much later in the book. Like You have to go all the way through. You're going on a journey. The characters don't have all the answers, so you're not going to get all the answers either. And that's my favorite thing about Black Wolves is that it's such an expansive novel with a lot of depth to what the characters are doing. That It's got a lot of past. It's a lot, a lot of history. The characters are amazing. It's 70% women, so if you want some women's perspectives, it's definitely got those. And I just, I just loved it. I think about all my reading experiences this, this year, and the, the one that I just sunk into and went full-on immersed in the world was Black Wolves. Yeah. Yeah, it, it felt to me, reading it felt like coming home. Like, I grew up on epic fantasy, and a lot of the epic fantasy I've been reading recently has been epic fantasy with a twist like Nora Jemison and Ken Liu and I love them but they're not like they're deliberately kind of subverting some stuff and doing some things structurally that are different and Kate knows epic fantasy really well she writes epic fantasy really well this was like coming home except all of the unpleasant stuff was gone (laughs) Exactly. It was it was wonderful. It was like it's not an easy novel to read. It doesn't take easy paths out of hard issues. It actually dives into the hard issues and makes you look at them and think about them and contextualize them. But the beauty of the book is that you don't necessarily have to do that work if you just want a story to read a story because the story itself is good and you can read it and then walk away. But if you like to really dig into something, this is a perfect book to do that with. Yeah. And I just cannot wait for the sequel. I need it right now. You have to wait so long. I know. It's 2017, it. isn't it? It's, yes, it is. It's going to be 2017. I'm so sad. Everybody read Black Wolves. Everybody read Black Wolves. Black Wolves for presidents. Thanks for listening to Cabbages and Kings. Please let me know what you think of the show. On the website, cabbagesandkings.audio, there's a feedback form and also a page if you'd like to be on the show. Or just go ahead and email contact at cabbagesandkings.audio. I'm on Twitter at jsuttonmorse. The show is on Twitter at kingcabbagecast. Let me know what you enjoyed, what books you're reaching for now, what I can do to make the show better. The website also has an occasional blog, my running tweets on books I'm reading, and importantly, a link to the RSS feed for this show, which you can also find on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are aggregated. Until next time, enjoy your reading.